Welcome to the Herbal Hour podcast. We have a return guest, the always lovely Dr. Shannon Curtis. And today we are talking about spring, rejuvenation for spring, herbs, what you can do to uh, move through this wonderful energy, make the most of it, and um, all of the things related to spring, basically. That, that's the topic for today. So, uh, hi, Shannon. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Great to be back. I think it's my third time, right? It is. Yeah, we've we've had some lovely episodes about uh, astrological medicine, herbal energetics. So today we're kind of doing a mix. So we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, kind of astrological associations of spring, mm -hmm. uh, the psychological, the energetic. Um, for people who haven't heard the other episodes, uh, how would you describe yourself in terms of uh, your work? Mm -hmm. who you are? Well, I'm a naturopathic doctor and a holistic herbalist, and I primarily work with women to help them heal their skin and balance their hormones and get to the root of their period problems. But my primary avenue through doing that is, you know, helping them align with nature and reconnect with nature. And I think that's so amazing that we're going to be talking about the spring season today, because part of reconnecting with nature is aligning with all of nature's rhythms. And, you know, the four seasons uh, are definitely a big one. Absolutely. So let's start out just very general. Um, what is to you the energy of spring? You know, everyone uh, to some extent that I've ever spoken to about this, regardless of what they believe in terms of uh, astrology or the seasons or Taoism, the flow of nature, the cycles, pretty much agree that the seasons, especially ones like the change between winter and spring, have an obvious energy. That's why there's ideas like spring cleaning. Everyone mm -hmm. wants to do a purification <laughs> fast. People are moving, uh, mm -hmm. dropping relationships, starting new relationships. It like it's pretty consistent, uh, even even um, even for someone who's a little bit more like skeptical in terms of uh of what that energy is still we're affected by it, whether or not we want to. So anyway, with that preface, what is the spring energy? Well, can't you feel it? I know you said it. Like we all kind of get this urge around springtime. Like, you know, when they say spring is in the air, like it's, mm -hmm. it's literally in the air, like we can feel it collectively. And we'll talk about how it's, you know, correlated with the air element later on. So that's also another symbol. Um, but like you can feel the spring of energy, you know, coming far before the spring equinox. So the spring equinox is March 20th. But prior to that, probably the end of January, mm -hmm. midwinter, beginning of February, we start to feel this like bubbling up, right? This like, oh my gosh, like it's still maybe cold where you live in the Northern hemisphere or it's snowy, you know, whatever. But you start to feel this inner um, lightning, this inner warmth start to develop. And, you know, right when spring comes around, we, we start to see all these, like all this newness, right? It's technically, mm -hmm. I, I think of spring actually, and the start of the, the astrological year with Aries at the end of March as the new, as the new year versus mm -hmm. January, right? Like why we start a new year in the middle of winter, you know, and try to come up with goals for the whole year when we're still like shivering at home in front of a fireplace is beyond me. But the energy of springtime is, is this perfect time and this perfect symbol in nature to have a fresh start, a new beginning. And you see that in nature, right? Um, you know, the winter is all about like resting and retreating and going inward. And you see that with like 
the animals that hibernate, the plants that are, you know, look dead, but they're actually just dormant. But then, you know, February, March, you start to see little seedlings pop up, right? Like those, um, those, those trees that get their little blooms, the, um, the initial signs of early spring and some of the spring greens that come around. And then, you know, the peak of spring about, you know, May, you start to see all those wildflowers and that's kind of like mm. the biggest expression of springtime. Um, and that's, you know, what I love about the season is just, just such a new, like new beginning, rejuvenation, revitalization. Mm -hmm. We feel so much more energetic and wanting to connect and go outward with our energy. That's exactly that word, like rejuvenation is how I think of uh, spring. It seems like after a kind of long uh, especially in the Pacific Northwest or Portland's tends to be really dark, kind of cold um, with um, kind of how uh, certain activities have been restricted. It was even more locked down than usual. So this winter probably was harder for uh, people than probably any other in, in recent history. Um, I, I noticed that like kind of that revitalization of it. Uh, I was mentioning to you before, I I know it's springtime even before it happens. Like I'll just find myself excitedly doing some new thing. And then after I'm kind of going through with it, maybe I pick up an old hobby. Maybe I, um, you know, start on a big, like big venture, like something really that takes a lot of effort. Um, and I'll notice, oh, it's spring. That's why I'm, I'm doing that. So pretty much everyone's uh, noticed that. And I wanted to touch on a point here, too, is that as a whole in uh, culture and society, it seems like we don't really live in accord with the seasons. Um, like, you know, it could be the dead of the, wi uh, the winter, the longest night of the year. And you could be like, you know, working really, really hard, not resting, not this. Uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think we can do to be more in accord with the seasons and those energetics? And we can kind of bridge this into like all of the different kind of healing things that could be done herbs, uh, of course, because that's, that's a, that would be a big part of it. Absolutely. We'll definitely talk about that. Let's, um let's go back to that you know, uh, living in alignment, I cut down, living in alignment with nature, right? And how that's so important for our health. Um, there are so many rhythms and seasons within nature, right? And as, you know, men and women with different hormonal fluctuations, we have, you know, men have more solar rhythm, women have a more lunar rhythm. Um, we don't have to talk about that right now, but just kind of as an example. Um, but an easy example of like how nature has rhythms is, you know, our daily rhythm, our diurnal rhythm and how cortisol mm -hmm. levels and melatonin fluctuate. So that's like a solar rhythm, right? It's 24 hours versus the monthly moon rhythm, the phases versus the seasonal rhythm. So four seasons in a year. And then, you know, beyond that, there's even like bigger astrological rhythms, like mm -hmm. how long, you know, Jupiter takes to go throughout all of the zodiac signs, how long every other planet takes. And so nature is just abundant with rhythms. And when we're living in alignment with rhythms, those rhythms, then we are at our most healthiest. We are more balanced. And what living in, alignments, in, in alignment means is just following the cues from nature. So nature gives us symbols, gives us signs, tells us like what we can do physically, mentally, emotionally to be, um, to be in tune with the season. And so when we're following those signs, you know, that's when our, that's when we're our healthiest. 
For example, you know, an easy one to look at is like night shift workers, right? They're mm. not following the cycles of rhythm or the cycles of nature. They're staying up at night because mm-hmm. they're work and sleeping throughout the day. And we know based on research how their health is affected negatively by that. Huge uh, increased cancer risk, actually. Yeah. I, which was that's pretty that's pretty startling. Uh, mm-hmm. Like very significant. I think it was, I don't even know, like two or three times more likely. Wow! Gosh, yeah, yeah I didn't. I, yeah, and that makes sense with the effects of melatonin, and they're going to have mm-hmm. cortisol dysregulation, and that affects systemically all their hormones, all their neurotransmitters, and just the overall health and vitality of mm-hmm. But that's just a simple example. Like we can identify with that and say, yeah, that makes sense. Well, then it would also make sense if we're not, you know, if if not align aligning with the twenty four hour rhythm makes us, you know, unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it would also make sense that if we're not aligning with the seasonal rhythm. Um, with the monthly rhythm that we're not going to be at our healthiest either. So like you said, like the winter season's all about retreating, like inner stillness going inward. Like, you know, it's not really a season, even though we do it a lot of like going out and having lots of celebrations and parties and outward energy and, you know, working nine to five, you know, seven days a week. It's a time for rest and and and, and taking care of ourselves um, with that inner landscape and tending to the home. Mm. Now, springtime is kind of the opposite of that. We kind of get this fresh spark of energy that's like, okay, move out of the home, go outside. There's longer, brighter, sunnier days, warmer days. Um, get the sunshine, fresh air, reconnect with people, mm-hmm. um, a little romance in the air. We talked about this. Why isn't Valentine's Day in the spring? Well, it really, it really should be. It really should be in spring. Like Valentine's Day in February is like, no wonder people are depressed beyond like all the different connotations, but yeah. There's like no desire to get someone gifts in February. You're like, I'm still working on myself. But come the end of March, you're like, well, now's the time. Like now's the time, like you said, to you kind of get these stirrings of new beginnings. And, you know, when it comes to our self-care practices, that's, you know, whether we want to totally clean our home, which is also really good, which also, you know, reduces allergies and things, which are big during the spring season, Mm -hmm. but clean, you know, our habits up. Like we take a look. I've, I've been taking a look at my daily routine. Like, how do I spend my mornings and my evenings? Mm. Like, how do I, how does that like align with what I want to accomplish in the future? How I want to live my life and mm-hmm. not taking steps to change some of those things because I'm like, I feel this new creative potential energy to change these things um, or start up a new hobby. Like I've been wanting to do a lot with herbs lately and it's the perfect time of year to connect with nature um, and the earth. So, you know, doing new projects like that is, is just nature's yeah. calling. Yeah. And, and, and kind of, uh, cleaning out like, uh, relationships and friendships and like new people onboarding and getting rid of the old. I've had this really interesting pattern throughout my life where as I, um, a lot of my like longer relationships, they tend to end like just about when the spring is starting, like all of us, everything will be going on swimmingly. And then all of a sudden, so many problems and I'm and then I start realizing oh, I start like noticing all the things uh-huh. and I disconnect and then I look and oh it's spring like that's what it is again that makes sense it's like your body was just or your your whole being was just saying like hmm, it's time to cut the cords here it's time yeah to start there's a there's an idea here that is uh pretty fascinating to me the idea of opportunity cost mm-hmm. in in all terms so like we think of you know, if things are going kind of uh, pretty good with our lives, like our career, our relationships, you know, anything like that, we think, ah, oh, might as well not shake it up because uh, who knows, like it's pretty good as it is. But with um, 
opportunity costs is basically when you do one thing, you also exclude out other things that you are not even like aware of. So like if you do, let's say you work at a job you don't really like, but uh, it pays you a decent amount of money. Uh, the opportunity cost of that job is maybe you can actually have work that would really fulfill you and that would pay you even better. But it could be something that unless you uh, challenged the notions of um, of what you were currently doing or, or changed up your routine, you would never see it. You would never mm-hmm. uh, have that option. It's like until the space is opened up, you can't see even what's in it. And uh, Spring's a lot like that for me because as much as it is, uh, like psychologically speaking, uh, like reinvigorating passion, starting new things. It also seems to be like, again, with the cleaning thing, but even psychologically, like opening more space because to do something new, a lot of times you have to stop doing something else. Exactly. That's so true. And the shadow side of spring is stubbornness, right? Because, you know, spring starts off in the astrological zodiac with Aries, the ram, and then mm-hmm. the bull. Like we have some really like, stubborn you can't say no to them kind of yeah but like there's part of us in the spring if we're not in balance we can get stubborn and kind of cling to things when spring is actually nature is telling us like let that go you know we're giving you aries energy is such a gift like every time march you to 2021st comes around it's just like a gift it's like the universe giving you here's this like fresh creative spark of life like do something with it make whatever you want manifest anything and, you know, if we're not listening to that, if we're not, um, you know, if we're, if we're not in a healthy place mentally and physically and emotionally, we can kind of shut the door on that and say, you know, I'm just going to kind of continue to plot along. But then the next time spring comes along, we won't have that opportunity. We won't be in as healthy of a place we could have if we had listened to it. Mm. Like, I'm going to take this spark and I'm going to run with it. When does uh, Aries season uh, exactly begin? Does it line up with the, um, with the change into spring? Yes. So Aries is the start of the spring season. So the spring equinox Mm -hmm. and so spring, the, the signs. So we have three um, Zodiac signs per season because they're each about a month. Mm -hmm. Um, Aries is going to start it off. So Aries is a cardinal fire sign. So -hmm. it's that like initial spark of life, right? It's like the big bang almost. It's like Mm -hmm. when we first have consciousness, it's the very conscious realization of being in a body. And then we move into Taurus, which is very, you know, earthy fixed earth. Mm -hmm. That's, we see that reflected in spring um, with, uh, you know, all of all of this grounding down, right? We're literally planting seeds, mm-hmm. usually about April, you know, after the frost. We're planting seeds down into the earth physically and in ourselves um, to grow. And then the third month is Gemini, which is a mutable air sign, which is the most air, um, which is the most fullest expression, um, or that's actually Taurus, but it's a full expression of spring as as it corresponds to the air element, which is when things finally start to grow up and um, divide into two and, and, and blossom. And um, I know I kind of just like went off on a little bit of astrology. No, I, I, I like it. Yeah. But, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it, it's really amazing how it's, how the symbolism just, you know, corresponds so nicely with how, what we feel is going on internally in the springtime too. Yeah. It's, it's amazing uh, uh, studying a lot of the different uh, ancient kind of mystical traditions, religions, healing traditions, the, the ancients, for some reason, they were so interested in astrology. I mean, reading through Greek myth, there's, 
so many incredibly intricate astrological references Mm -hmm. that you're like, how did these people even come up with or even notice these things? And I think it it points to a wider truth. That's why it it was kind of the technology of those times of um, understanding the cycles of time and nature and harmony Mm. Uh, and like how you understand your place in the universe, because, you know, some people, uh, you know, they have certain ideas of what astrology is because of how like kind of pop astrology is and this and that. But like astrology to me, when I view it is like, it's not any different than using the sun or the moon to track time. But now you're looking for associations of how different time scales affect. And I, I'd be really interested um, to see or to know what like the physiological or hormonal or like circadian rhythm basis is for the changes in seasons. Maybe there's like a seasonal circadian rhythm that's not based on sunlight necessarily, but maybe it's based on temperature fluctuations because it definitely seems pretty obvious um, that there's a change uh, depending oh, on when you are, where you are too. Absolutely. I mean, you can just see it throughout the seasons as our own metabolism change. You just look at the hormones involved in metabolism and, you know, our metabolism innately slows down throughout winter and then speeds back up. And there's ways, you know, we can chat about to support that, to support that inner spark of metabolism when spring starts, but uh, yeah, absolutely. And then there's, you know, different organ systems that correspond to each, you know, astrological sign and each season that, you know, when imbalanced, when out of alignment are going to be most affected. And all of those organ systems, you know, have hormones or neurotransmitters that they produce. And then, so I think you, you do see seasonal shifts, um, even monthly shifts in, in hormones, just kind of depending on how your body's adapting to the season. And some people just need more support based on their constitution, you know, with different seasons. Some people like myself, I do really, really well in the spring because my constitution naturally just like that's my Sagittarius nature. My, mm-hmm. all my, all my planets are like, I just, that's where I feel like I'm the Me too. I always, I always felt best in spring and for some reason also uh, fall. It's like the transitions seem good uh-huh. for me. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's the axes. It's the opposite. Usually there's kind of some balance to those, but I'm the same, like the yeah. peak of summer, I don't feel so great. Yeah, me either. Winter, I don't feel so great either. Yeah, and, no, me either. And you know that I think some people do. So I know that it's not just me. Um, so I, it, there's a lot that that could be done to kind of support each transition though. So what uh what uh what date were uh yeah what date in Sagittarius were you born? Are you like early Sagittarius or later Sagittarius? I'm mid, yeah. So I'm okay. like kind of peak of Sagittarius, December seventh. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm mid, I guess, to uh December second, which is it kind of um you know, I, I sometimes I I I thought of Sagittarius as like a winter sign, but technically I'm a fall sign. So. Yeah, mutable. You're you're the last month of fall, a mutable fire. So you're that transition into winter. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to see like how other um other people and astrological signs uh feel that they're affected in terms of the seasons. Cause I found it to be incredibly consistent that like if it's spring or fall, like it's an awesome time. Fall's mm-hmm. a little bit more reflective and like relaxing and contemplative. Uh, before you get into like the deep darkness of the winter and Uh spring is like bringing you out of it. So it's like, they're almost like getting ready for the, like 
winter and summer are like either like extreme energy and intensity mm-hmm. or like the opposite. And those two seasons <laughs> kind of like shift you in so that I could imagine if it went from spring to summer, it would be rough, <laughs> yeah. be a rough adaptation. I agree. I so, so what are the, um, what are the herbs that you would say are just the thing that we need to kind of bring us out of this, this yucky winter energy? Sorry, if you like the winter, I actually like it too. I'm from New York. So I, I know I like snow and things like that, uh-huh. but how do we get out of this kind of the negative aspects of it um, and kind of help the, the natural inclination of spring of like purification Oh yeah. Luckily we have a ton of plant allies and, you know, it kind of crosses over a bit with food, but I'll I'll give you a little background first on, you know, the air element. So if you're familiar with the four elements, earth, water, air, and fire, they correspond of course to astrological signs, but then they have like an overarching theme for each season. Well, we just came out of watery winter, right? The depths of like going inward and tending to our emotional landscape. And we're heading into spring, which is ruled by air. It's very, um, Air, if you can imagine, like everyone's like springs in the air. It's a breath of fresh air, right? It's in our words. It's in the words we use to describe the season. I love the way, I I just love it. Anyway, um, so the air element is like that changeable nature, right? It's like that ability to inspire, like the breath, inspire movement, inspire dynamicism. It brings a sense of vibrancy. Oh, I apologize. Um, It brings a sense of vibrancy and uh, newness and vitality to the world around us and our inner world, our inner being as well. So um, the air element rules uh, certain organ systems in the body that correspond to springtime. So those would be um, the kidney adrenal system. Those would also be the digestive system, specifically the, the large intestine and the mind and the nervous system. So mm-hmm. air is a very changeable element, um, rules, you know, our nervousness and, and mm-hmm. everything like that. So when we're not in alignment, when we're out of balance, we can see things in those organ systems. So the digestive digestion can be off. Gas and bloating is a big one, like nervous tension, because air brings a lot of tension with it. Um, you know, the mind, we can feel scattered, ungrounded, restless, tense. Um, and then kidney adrenals, like we can, you know, start to kind of feel like adrenal burnout or just, um, just kind of that wired and tired sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you think of plant allies for that, you can correspond it to air element plant allies or allies that are going to work on those specific organ systems. So this time of year, Anything that's going to support the air element that's going to support you in the springs is going to be kind of uh, is going to be bitter. A bitter tonics are really good. Things that are astringent, bitter, um, downward moving because air is upward moving. We want to move downward into our bodies, and um, uh, what's the oh like nervings, nervous system support, mm-hmm. sedatives or you know stimulants depending on which imbalance we're we're showing. So in terms of like bitters, like the perfect food for this would be what nature is giving us right now, right? Spring greens, couldn't mm. get more perfect than that. Mm-hmm. So dandelion greens, you can go out into, you know, nature and find uh, stinging nettles um, can start to grow. Your chickweed is all over the place, dead nettle, um, you know, there's miner's lettuce, arugula, like all these things are just here right now. And that's perfect medicine. Um, for us, that bitter action is really going to awaken our digestive fire to stimulate liver function, which kind of was sleeping a little bit throughout the winter mm-hmm. season. And, um, you know, bitter herbs, uh, those are going to be, you know, those are going to be really good. Dandelions. Oh gosh. It's like the quintessential 
quintessential um, spring plant. You see it pop over everywhere. Yeah, energetically speaking, um, uh, the liver is really associated with the spring and kind of the rising of the liver energy because in uh, in Chinese medicine, for example, uh, they don't think of the liver just as the place of like metabolism mm-hmm. or uh, you know detoxification. They also think of it in its emotional component. And the emotional uh, psychological component of the liver is like, uh, inspiration, even like, um, like, you know, like ambition moving towards like a mission, uh, like, uh, the path motivation, uh, those kind of things. Like when liver is really deficient, you actually see, you know, depression feeling like life has lost meaning, things like that. So there's this, this big idea of the liver is actually having the psychological component. Um, and it, it makes sense too that, you know, when the spring starts, you start suddenly getting awakened, reawakened to your passions. Um, and it could be a little bit uh, much sometimes. There's also, because the liver is associated with uh, anger, irritation, things like that. There's also a tendency to get into that space as well. Um, yeah, who's gotten irritable this spring so far? Well, I guess it's not spring, but who's feeling that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think this whole this whole year has made people irritable. <laughs> Well, it's, well, last year, you know, just like you were saying, I kind of diverting the topic here, but the spring season last year, we did not get to align. We were purposefully, you know, told to not align with the seasons. Aries energy was asking us to go out. We were told to stay in, yep. you know? So we had a whole start of our year where we were, where our basic energetic instincts were suppressed. And now this is the time where we listen to those. We listen to ourselves. We listen to our truth. You know, there's a lot of truths out there right now. We listen to our truth and we go out and we, Gemini, you know, air, we speak it, we communicate it, we align with the seasons. And, you know, I could continue going on around. I I love this. I'm I'm all about, I'm all about freedom at the end of the day. Uh, And it's, so I was having this thought on on that topic um, that really, you know, really, tripped me out, so to speak, which was, uh, I remember this, this around this time of the year was, it was pretty much around when the first kind of uh, lockdown and the knowledge of, of COVID and all these things came up. And I was thinking, I'm like, wow, it's been a year. What a like strange, like it's time is almost like this year has been one of the most distorted in terms of time because that uh, a year ago, around the same time, not only does it feel like it doesn't it almost feels like a different life or something like it was mm-hmm. last year was like not even in congruity with with the uh, kind of passage of time or something like that. Um, and it wasn't it, it last year, the start of the year, it was like we almost set our clocks, our internal clocks off. Like they were set off. And so we had no, we were all kind of like this, you know, not in alignment for a whole year. And it makes sense. And now we're kind of feeling that urge to get back into realignment, to reset our internal clocks. And, you know, now's the time to do it. Now is the time. Nature's calling. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, in general, uh, things proceed more towards some sense of normalcy, uh, hopefully. Uh, Like if we view even the years as like seasons Mm -hmm. the whole last year could be thought of as like a 
you know, like a dark winter of just general humanity in some sense. But what that also means is that spring eventually has to come. It's just a, like, mm-hmm. hopefully that's not like five years, but. Uh, well, do you, are you into tarot? Yes. Numerology. Mm-hmm. We're just going to skip. I love, I love having these conversations. Absolutely. Delightful. Yes. I get to talk about all these fun things. <laughs> yeah. 2020 numerology four was the year of the emperor, right? Mm-hmm. And tarot. And what is the emperor? But like this very authoritative fatherly figure. Order and order, also the religion. negative side of order, like over order. Yeah, positive and negative, right? Like the, the, the universe is, is, it's not biased. It gives you this and you can take it this way and take it that way. And we took it one way whatever that way may be for some people. Um, but, you know, it comes down to that very authoritarian, strict, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of energy. So. Yeah. Almost like the, um, in its like dark form, like the tyrant too, like mm-hmm. where order becomes so regimented that it actually has the opposite effect. It actually, it's yeah. like um, this idea in uh, Taoism or Chinese medicine with a, uh, you know, everyone's heard of uh, yin and yang. Uh, one is like the positive and negative and this, this kind of duality. There's this saying that's very enigmatic that at its at its absolute height and its uh, greatest uh, power, yang becomes yin. And it, at yin's greatest power becomes yang. So like if you bring one energy to its absolute extreme, it flips to the other. So for t- uh, things like order is if you create order, 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 order. And there's a certain point where it reaches uh, its highest level and actually turns into disorder. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think, I think that um, that Taoist truth has been seen this year because of all of the, the strong like forces from every direction uh, altering uh, people's lives uh, in terms of what they can and can't do things that made sense, things that didn't, uh, but sustaining that over a period of time and then seeing all the disorder that broke out in almost every sphere. I mean, it's kind of interesting that for a time where we've been the most withdrawn is actually a time where it seems like also a lot of uh, chaos has been moving around, which is, it seems almost contradictory, doesn't it? Like you would think, as you increase, like, okay, everyone has to stay inside. Mm-hmm. We think like that would lead to like less disorder. But Well, nature is wise, right? We had Mars and Aries from June to December of 2020. I think Mars and Aries is going to create a little chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aries is all about, I, I like, I like, I like the Aries energy. It could be really, uh, I kind of think of it as the, the sign of uh, like the warrior, mm-hmm. which is like this, like striving forward determination uh, which could be used for for good or not so good, depending on how one views it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what are some other practices and kind of, I guess, naturopathic type of things to do during the spring? I have I have a few ideas of things uh, that I, I will definitely be uh, looking to implement into my life around this time. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd love to hear about yours. And then I can kind of like go off of those and offer some other like plant allies. Perfect. Yeah. So, okay. So... I think, uh, at least for me, the time of uh, spring and and even the transition into spring, like the, you know, like February to March time, mm-hmm. I have always found myself, and, and this year has been no exception, to uh, 
start doing more like intermittent fasting type of things, beginning to like eat a little bit lighter, uh, you know, kind of because the winter, uh, especially through the holiday season and stuff, you like I'm not a big sugar eater, but I was eating tons of desserts and stuff uh, and, and things like that. And it, uh, it kind of like it has this like uh, heavy type of energy and it kind of puts you in this like it's hard to think clearly mm-hmm. and uh, really have that kind of spring type energy. You know, if you're eating like way more than you actually need in terms of like movement or for for what you're doing with your body. So yeah. I find uh, I find intermittent type fasting or even like 24 hour fasting during this time to be one of the best sources of like purification that I've uh, I've found for myself, like purification of mind processing, uh, kind of letting go of old um like old patterns and things like that and kind of approaching the new uh the new season with like a clear mind a clear body ready to go without all the you know uh toxins and 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 past patterns so i think uh i like to fast during this time uh, that's a great idea yeah any sort of like spring cleanse you know physically, you know, especially nutritionally, dietary wise that we can do, we're all kind of called to it. We all kind of feel this need to like eat a little lighter or avoid sugar or go on like the whole 30 or something like that. Right. I feel like everyone kind of has that inner calling, but yeah, like you said, like winter, we tend to eat foods that are more, um, grounding that are heavier to keep us warm, to keep us, um, you know, grounded to the earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sugar is one thing that can really feed that earth. It can really make us, um, feel kind of heavy in spring, we have to lighten up. Right. And so fasting for, for those who can tolerate it or that, you know, it, that it works well for that can be really great or just eating lighter in general, focusing on fresh fruits and vegetables and being like, I'm not going to eat as much meat or I'm going to avoid sugar, or, you know, I'm going to even like take certain herbs or something to help with the cleanse with the help with the cleansing part. Absolutely. I find the, um, like, full, uh, full fasting, like with just water and teas and stuff is, is typically much more difficult. Um, even in terms of how it affects you, like up to, I found up to 24 hours of fasting, like you mm-hmm. at, at that, once you start getting close to that mark, you, you feel, uh, your mind is very clear. You actually have tons of energy. You would think, Oh, I haven't eaten any food. Where's this all, all this energy coming from? Um, but then once you go into the longer, like 48, 72, Ooh, it's, it's not fun. So I find that intermittent fasting in terms of, uh, eating at like a certain time, a uh, restricted window, like maybe four or six hours of the day mm. seems to be, uh, seems to be really good for being able to be very energetic and mental clarity with less of the, uh, stress. And I think, I think even, even the kind of seasons seem to uh, mimic this pattern. Because if you think about it, like winter is like, you're storing up energy, you're recuperating, you're resting. Ideally. I mean, many people don't have that luxury, unfortunately, and they pay the, you know, health and psychological price for that because of how our you know society and culture is set up. If we really had uh, a Taoist type of culture, you know, there would be like so many week long holidays in winter that you would be like hardly working. And mm-hmm. that, that would actually be uh, paradoxically more productive because then when spring came around, then you could just go, 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 go all through summer. 
and then relax and go into, but it's, we're in this kind of go, go, go type of mindset. But so the winter is kind of like the storing. And then as you move into spring, it's almost like, I think of spring as like, like the rise of the sun or something like that in terms of a day. Uh, I've always found that personally, I feel so much better if I don't eat very much or eat very lightly during the day. And then kind of when it gets closer to night, I've done some physical activity. I've done most of the hard things of the day. Then I eat to more replenish. So I I view it more as like with the intermittent fasting, you're eating to replenish, not to give you energy because actually what you eat doesn't become energy for many hours in in a lot of cases. Uh, So there's kind of like a delayed time window. Like if you eat a big, big meal, when you're intermittent fasting at like 6 p.m. the day before, when you wake up in the morning, you're still living off that energy. Like you don't actually, um, and that's not to say necessarily, the interesting thing with intermittent fasting is uh, there doesn't necessarily even need to be a caloric restriction. You could eat the same amount of calories. It's just this idea of like giving the body some, some time to just operate without hindrance. Because of course, when uh, when you eat a meal, especially if it's like very full, large, uh, you know, the blood all kind of goes to your gut. It goes away from your brain. Now your body me- metabolic system has to focus on processing this stuff. So like I've nothing has is worse than having a huge meal and then having some like really important, difficult work to do. It's like I might as well have, you know, uh, took like you know, 10 edibles and try to do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it feels for me. So I've, I personally found that for myself. Everyone's different though. That's uh, that's constitutional types. I just kind of had this realization when you said how you correlate spring with like the rising of the sun and eating kind of like when the sun's falling, that Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense because the elements, okay, let's, let's associate the elements. So spring, of course, we just talked about was air, right? Mm-hmm. Summer is fire, right? That makes sense. It's the peak. The sun's at the highest point mm-hmm. of the Leo. day. And then the sun comes and it's setting. That's autumn. That's fall. That is the earth element. And you feed yourself around the earth element time, which makes sense because earth is all about nourishment. It's all about, you know, taking things from the earth and replenishing our body with it. And then of course, winter is water. That's the depths, like water sinks below ocean level, right? It's like water sinks below the earth. And, um, and that would be uh, winter. And it makes sense that then you kind of go and you, and that energy replenishes you so that you can wake up first thing in the morning when the sun rises, your spring energy is there. And um, yeah, that, I love the symbolism in it, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so amazing. It's interesting that the kind of, I know uh, as I was growing up, I always heard like, you got to eat a really big breakfast and all of uh, this. And I've, you know, I've tried that, that way of life, like, uh, you know, I mean, who doesn't love like pancakes with some, you know, eggs and, and bacon? It's amazing. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, after that, at least for me, being kind of the, I guess, the constitutional type, like Vata, more airy, like it's very, it's very like dampening on my mind. It makes me very uh, sleepy and tired, which you shouldn't really feel it early in the day. So, um it's and interesting makes- that everyone has to kind of find their own uh, pattern of how to, what to eat, when to eat, based on how they feel, not based on what, you know, the fake food pyramid says, because, you know, the, the you know, the 
the grain and dairy industry needed more profits that year. So they, they paid some money to put it there on the bottom rung of the ladder, which anyway, yeah. that, that pyramid's been very disproven. No, I mean, that makes, that makes total sense, right? Everyone's following the same rhythm, but it's different for everyone because we all have a different constitution. We all come mm-hmm. in with a different blueprint. You could even say our natal chart is like part of our blueprint, but the different way of like how we express balances, imbalances or balances. Um, but that makes total sense. Like people like you and I, that like, I have a lot of fire in my chart and I kind of tend to be like, yeah, like you said, more Vata and everything. Um, first thing in the morning during that air, during that springtime of the day, if I were to have pancakes, which I do love, but right afterwards, it's like blood sugar dysregulation. My, you know, liver based on, you know, my energetics is prone to like dysfunction and low blood sugar and all of that. And so it's Mm. like, it's like foggy brain. And what is the air element rule in like the four faculties? It's your mind faculty. It's your mental function, your ability to think clearly. And if, you know, you have any sort of imbalance and you're not thinking clearly, that kind of sets your whole day off wrong, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's fascinating uh, that you bring that up because one of the kind of major limitations of doing like low carb or intermittent fasting is uh, people will say, and I've said myself and thought this, oh, well, maybe this isn't that good because then I feel, maybe I feel a little bit hypoglycemic and all this. But what I learned and it kind of hit me like a truck was if you don't eat uh, most of your uh, intake or food from carbohydrates and you focus more on fats, proteins, vegetables, those kind of things, you don't get that hypoglycemia ever. Like when I doing uh, intermittent fasting over this past, like probably a month and a half, I would say going, you know, like 12, 18 hours, sometimes longer, and then eating, you know, filling up and eating tons of, uh, tons of foods that I like, you know, uh, vegetables, meats going kind of low on the carbohydrate, but still having some of those. I noticed that I could go for, quite long periods of time without getting that, uh, that like jitteriness or that hypoglycemia. But then this is the weird thing that I noticed too, is that, uh, maybe one day I would be like having a little bit of a sweet tooth and, but I wasn't regularly eating carbs and I would eat something sweet. And like every single time I did that, I noticed in like two hours, then I would have like this hypoglycemic drop, mm-hmm. um, and this kind of like jitteriness feeling like cold and clammy. So it's definitely something that one has to adapt to, but it's fascinating that based on how one's diet is, it's almost like a diet reinforces itself. So if you eat like pancakes three times a day, like it's going to be very hard to not eat pancakes three times a day because your blood sugar is just going to go like this every time you don't. Um, But if you don't eat them or you have perhaps like a quinoa alternative, which sounds Mm -hmm. disgusting. I don't know if they even make those, but um, it's like you don't even you don't even necessarily get those, uh, those like inclinations to even have those and they become on kind of non-issue, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Your physiology adapts, right? You know, all of our, a lot of us, you know, here on planet earth have mm-hmm. adapted <laughs> physiology, right? You know, that's why 87%, I think of Americans are medic metabolically unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Right? Our physiology is not adaptive. We're not aligning to nature seasons. Nature doesn't want us to eat pancakes three times a day. You know, that's nature gives us food. Like it literally gives us, grows food saying, eat this, this time of year, eat this, you know, during the winter when plants, there's certain plants, you know, that uh, are available or and many that aren't. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can eat heavier foods, maybe more game meats or, 
you know, things like that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I was going to mention one thing though, about the intermittent fasting. So, um, I do notice that intermittent fasting, cause that is kind of like a solar rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing that within a 24 hour period. Mm-hmm. Um, men tend to respond best to it just because mm-hmm. it does follow a solar rhythm. And I would say females, if you're going to do it, um, it depends on, it depends on their constitution, but if they have like a, if they're pretty imbalanced, they have a healthy constitution. And especially if they're like liver excess, I find liver excess individuals tend to respond really well to intermittent fasting. Um, but during the spring and the summer season of their menstrual cycle, which is actually the week leading up to ovulation and, and like the few mm. days after ovulation, those would probably be the best days to intermittent fast. Probably not during your menses and not right before your menses. That's th- thank you for, uh, thank you for adding that in. That's it's interesting. So you mentioned before about like females having the moon cycle and males having the solar cycle. Mm-hmm. I remember reading into that a little bit and they were, it's like a completely unstudied area as far as I've seen, but they found to some degree that they're, that men actually have almost like a male menses, let's say, but it's on a different time wave and it, has a different effect and it has a different purpose, uh, so to speak. Could you uh, elaborate that? Uh, well, I'd love to hear more about that. When I refer to like the solar rhythm and the moon rhythm, it mm-hmm. makes sense when we think sun is very young, right? It's very yeah. outward. Um, you know, you could say it's masculine. The mm. moon is very, you know, more, uh, it's it's very active energy, right? The sun. Mm. But the moon is um, more feminine, more um, uh, yin, we could say it's more passive and that's not a bad thing. It just, you know, it's just kind of how the opposites uh, play out in terms of symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so with men, they tend to follow this, the sun, the solar rhythm, which is 24 hours, their testosterone, which is their primary sex hormone mm-hmm. follows the rhythm of the sun. Like it's pretty much like very closely. All, yeah. It's pretty much like all, like it just kind of follows the sun and, and it's, it's just, they, their levels are pretty much consistent every, every day versus women, you test their hormones every day over the span of the moon cycle, which is 29 and a half days. And Mm. their hormones are going to be different in accordance with the moon. Right. So it's, it's like the phases of the the moon reflect the phases of their ovarian uh, follicle development of their hormone production, like estrogen and progesterone are going to rise and fall at different points of the cycle. So that's kind of what I mean. Um, Males um, energy is pretty much like you know, every day I would say they probably have a fairly stable energetic pattern versus women every week mm. is going to be a different season for them. That's a that's a really good point. And I've definitely uh, I've definitely noticed that too, in terms of like how I feel throughout the day, in terms of uh some of my friends who are or girls, how they feel and uh like the kind of periods of time where they'll have like low energy over the course of like days or a week. Whereas like that happens on like a microcosm, like yep. there's not really like a week that I'm tired. It's more like there's like a section in the day every day that week, maybe that I'm tired some specific time, which is kind of um, uh, fascinating. So the, the rhythm I was referring to um, I was reading somewhere that th- there was some, association with instead of like the 28 or 29 day cycle or, or 30 day uh, cycle for uh, women, for men, there's like a 23 day cycle of like fluctuating uh, testosterone over a period of time where there's like certain periods of time when they're uh, like uh, libido and fertility are highest and others when it's not. And actually like every man kind of feels that in terms of 
I don't know if it's exactly 23 days. That's just the number that I saw. But it's interesting to think of that there are these kind of um, hormonal patterns that happen outside of the range of a day. And like, we don't necessarily always listen to our bodies in terms of like uh, our activities, what we want to do and following that. So the idea of there's like a hundred cycles happening all at once. And like, how do you know, like, how do you know when you do what, like, should I do anything? Should I not do, (laughs) should I eat? Should I not eat? Should I go outside? Should I stay inside? Uh Um, And I think the ultimate judge, and this also solves the, the difficulty with everyone being different and having a different constitution Mm -hmm. There's like a difference in factors is um, learning to listen to one's own body and act on that. Not any of preconceived notions. Um, And I found that the more I do that in terms of like my diet, uh, my lifestyle, the more I follow with like my natural inclinations, the, the happier I am, the less tired I am, the less stressed I am. But once you start like, uh, putting on like shoulds onto your body. Like I should eat or I shouldn't eat or like I should go outside or I should exercise. I shouldn't at this time. Then like it starts getting uh, difficult to tell what's coming from your body mm-hmm. and what's coming from, you know, some concepts or the minds. Uh, however, if you eat tons of carbs, it will just, it seems to just create this cycle where you can't, cause obviously eat you eat very high carbohydrate meal, get a huge spike of uh, insulin to utilize that glucose. Then you get like the counter uh, change in ghrelin, the uh, hormone associated with satiety and hunger. So it becomes not even your hunger cycle. It's like the carb cycle of like every three to four hours you must eat because that's about the length of time that uh, the blood sugar goes up and down. Um, but really following with that flow. So even, even during uh, the intermittent fasting, I don't stick to it rigidly. Like if I wake up one morning and I feel like actually hungry, if I have an appetite, I'll eat, Mm -hmm. but I'll just listen to what my appetite says. If it doesn't want, if I don't get an appetite or a feeling of eating or feeling kind of like undernourished, I might not eat till like 8 PM that day, or I might eat at 2 PM depending on like whatever. The weird thing is that it eventually, some kind of pattern and consistency comes out naturally where it's like usually around like nightfall is, is mm-hmm. when I typically eat. Sometimes there's like a, a different, uh, that's, you listen to your body. And I think that's the biggest message. It's like, we can get all like nitty gritty and like try to be like, okay, what's the best thing right now based on everything. Well, like nature's telling you listening to your body, like you are nature, right? You're inseparable from nature. If you're listening to your body, you are listening to what nature is telling you to do. Mm. And so, you know, what a better um, way to align with nature than to reconnect with ourselves because we are just that microcosm, that reflection of the outer nature. And I, yeah, I totally agree. I think your patterns will develop the patterns that if it feels good, like that's the primary intention, right? The primary goal is like, do you feel good? Do you feel healthy? Do you feel vibrant and vital and all the things that you want? If you don't, something is off. You're doing something wrong or not in alignment, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're doing the things that are in alignment, a pattern emerges, you feel good. That's the primary intention. You're healthy. Like that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, and that's something that comes in with spring is 
sometimes we have to disconnect and distance ourselves from certain things to learn what the pattern is because we get uh, caught up in kind of certain ways of living or thinking that unless you kind of take a breath back, you don't know like what is actually in alignment with your pattern. Sometimes you almost have to like remove yourself uh, from the situation, whether it's like meditation or doing like a, a purification fast for some period of time to like learn, like, what does my body actually want? Like, mm -hmm. does it want this food that I, I've been giving it? Or does it want something different? Like I find even my, um, my cravings for foods are very, very different too. Like, um, talking about all this food is actually starting to, to work up a little bit appetite, but in my mind, the first thing came to mind is like, Oh, I could go for some like organic beef and some like peppers, some red peppers. Mm -hmm. Like wh what? Like that's not like something um, that, you know, like a cupcake or something. Cause I don't eat, really eat those, but I know if I was eating cupcakes that I'd be like, Oh, you know, all this talk about food makes me really want a cupcake. Like, and nothing bad about cupcakes, but processed sugar and stuff is just, I mean, it's, it's basically like a drug in some way, especially like excess amounts of it. And a lot of these, uh, like epidemics of, uh, uh, metabolic dysregulation, like a lot of them point to things like high fructose corn syrup, um, those kind of aspects, which are relatively new inventions to, to humans. Like, you know, people have always been eating vegetables, uh, meats, random herbs they found, berries, nuts. Uh, you know, they, if they could find some starches, they would eat those too. Probably eating pretty irregularly at whatever. Maybe like they wouldn't eat for two days. Then for one day, they would just eat all day and then back to it. Like, that's kind of the amazing thing that I found is, our bodies are incredibly adaptable in like always. Um, Pro and con, like negative and positive, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You could adapt to a, like a terrible situation and be like more or less okay. Like you could adapt to working through the whole winter hardcore, but eventually it like, it, eventually it catches up. Like the body adapts and adapts until it can't. And then that's disease basically of whatever well, yeah, type. It wears on your, it wears on your physiology. Mm -hmm. And when we're not living in alignment, with nature when we're not, you know, eating the foods that nature is producing or you yeah. know, sleeping the way we're supposed to sleep and all of those things. Yeah. That's the wisdom of it. I mean, that's like the, the medicine we need is, is, is written in, it's written in the language of, of, of the earth. It's written in the language of, of the natural world. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to uh, touch on a little bit of like, we were talking before about the kind of symbolic and holiday religious associations with spring. Mm -hmm. Um, and so obviously it's the time of uh, Easter and, and, and things of that nature, depending on uh, when you celebrate that. Um, but in general, a lot of the uh, traditions are, uh, across the earth, the mystical traditions, they, as you uh, have said, considered spring actually the beginning of the new year. And I've always felt that like psychologically to be true, mm -hmm. uh, that the new year that begins in winter is, is pretty artificial. It doesn't ever feel like the beginning of a year. And like you kind of briefly mentioned about the new year's resolutions and making all these new plans. Like, I mean, no wonder new year's resolutions uh, don't hold It's like, you're making them at the worst possible. Like I think pretty much any other time in the year would have been a better time. Well, Best that's time, probably the spring. 
<laughs> spring cleaning, right? When we spring clean, we spring clean our bodies, we spring clean, yeah. our bodies, but we, we spring clean yeah, our, our goals too. We can take a look at the goals we may or may not have you know, written down in January and be like, does this still apply? Do I still want this in my life? Can I let go of this? Can I reclaim it? Can I revitalize it, reinvigorate it? Can I mm-hmm. apply that spring energy to this goal and make it new again? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the perfect time of year. I, I tell everyone I can, all my clients and patients and everything, like take this time of year to really, you know, sit down and, and, and journal about what you want in your life. Because from here on out, especially over the next six months, um, astrologically speaking, what you dream what you dream and like the moon is gone coming in Pisces and everything you are manifesting and that can be positive or it can be negative and that's mm-hmm. in your own life and that's in the collective mm-hmm. world at large. And so I just say this briefly, but um, if there's anything you want to manifest right now in the collective world, if there's any resolutions or transformations that we want to collectively manifest, how's the time focus on that rather than I feel like we're giving our energy to, um, things that we don't necessarily want to manifest, but we Mm -hmm. feel like might happen. We want to manifest, um, something else. We want to manifest. This is uh, from like a magical type of perspective. This is a time where I'd probably say if you believe in, you know, a manifestation or visualization, actually, uh, Mm -hmm. helping to bring about events now would be the time where it's at its, uh, strongest for better or worse. Uh, so it could go either way. I don't think manifestation has a preference. It does not. If does you not think bad favorite. things will happen in some sense, I mean, even from a psychological sense, you, first of all, you bias your perception to notice only that. So if one is constantly repeating, oh, like today's a great day. Today's an awesome day. Like today's going to be awesome. Or one's repeating, oh, today's a crappy day. Like I'm tired today. Like mm-hmm. if you repeat that constantly, your perception becomes biased to perceiving more of what makes that true and thereby can cycle like a a one minute emotion into like a whole day of whatever it was for, for good or worse. So our mind is of course, incredibly uh, powerful in, in that regard. I would say exactly the same thing. I mean, I've been guilty of becoming fearful um, maybe for many different reasons than the collective world at large is fearful of right now. But I've been guilty of, you know, getting caught up in the rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if, right? What if mm-hmm. things unfold and worrying about that? And that in itself is bringing it forward. Like, it, this is not spiritual bypassing. This is not saying like only think <laughs> happy thoughts and ignore like the reality mm-hmm. of what's going on. No, it's a new age can, spirituality. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not that. We can we can totally see the reality of what's going on and what might be, but that should, that should coerce us. That should invite us to change our thoughts about it, to change our direction of how we want to manifest the future. Because if we see it, sure it could happen, but um, you know, focusing on, you know, what we really, really want to manifest. And I say that collectively, I say that, you know, in our families and in our own person, you know, I've been trying every single morning for the past few weeks now to just really focus on like waking up. And the first thing I think of is just like, thank you. Thank you universe. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like I'm here. I'm in my home. Thank you for the sun rising. Thank you for putting two feet on the ground. And I have this body and just like starting my day off with like the first five minutes. I just think everything. I bless everything. And, um, Mm. I, that will totally transform the rest of your day. If you can just start off thinking, saying, thank you, to the universe for the first couple minutes of your day, mm. 
you're it's beautiful. You'll feel, you'll feel so differently the rest of the day. And, and now springtime, this is a great time to start a practice like that. Yeah. That's, that's so important from like a mental wellness perspective is like the kind of um, regular thought patterns we have. If they're, uh, if they're negative, uh, it doesn't seem like thinking, uh, thinking positively has like a good rap and also a bad one um, in terms of, Oh, like looking on the bright side or affirmations being as like self-deception or something. But I think that's completely missing the point. It's, you set yourself up for success. Like it's, it's really obvious that like, let's say uh, it's spring and you're uh, starting like a new venture. You want to do something new. If you catch yourself thinking like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know. Like this and that, like one of the best things I found for myself is like to challenge it and be like, well, like, why not? Well, yeah, it could. Well, okay. it It will work. I will, I will, I'll make it work. I believe that I can do it. And, and this and that. And if you don't have that mindset, it's incredibly difficult to have it um, actually work out because sometimes something that should have been really easy is made really hard by the minds uh, in terms of what one believes, what can, uh, one could achieve. There's this great uh, quote from the, uh, from the Zen uh, samurai master Musashi, where he said, all people are the same except their belief in their in their own selves mm-hmm. that all all people are exactly the same except their belief in themselves is what differentiates people in many ways of you know becoming a master in their fields or being successful in what way they decide and it's no one can give you belief in yourself like that's something that one has to kind of do the leap of faith and just give it and see, and then give it a chance to be true, so to speak. Yeah. Then it's like self-motivating. Cause it's like, you know, there's the saying like fake it till you make it like uh, it's, it's true, but like also make sure you make it eventually. Cause yeah. also faking it the whole time isn't really good. Like I feel great. Everything's great. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like Bob, like your life's not good at all. Like what are you talking about? Like you need to do something different but everything's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's true. Cause there's, there's a different energy involved, right? There's the different energy involved in like, this feels great. And your heart's going like, Oh, yeah. this great. like I do, I do feel great. My life is a lie. <laughs> but I mean, it makes, it makes sense with like the energy of Aries season too. Like now is the time to kind of like, like a Ram, right. Just like kind of go forward. Like you're kind of like the, like new beginnings. Like you are just like an infant in this world. Like there's like no thought of like what could possibly happen next. You're just like, I'm going to try anything. Right. This is the time. Spring is the time to try anything. And you know, that old saying, Oh, who was it? Was it Henry Ford? I don't know. But that old kitschy saying, right. Like whether you think you can, you think you can't, you're right. You're right. Because what you ask the universe is like, sure, I'll deliver that. Here you go. And if your thoughts are constantly thinking like this is going to happen and it's negative or like I'm attracting this into my life or, you know, I don't think I can do this. The universe is like, sure, we'll I'll answer that call like a genie in a bottle. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not to say that uh, just thinking, oh, this will be great and everything like that will necessarily work unless it's coupled with action. But when it's coupled with action, it's like uh, nearly miraculous because a lot of times uh, like the self-limiting beliefs or the negative beliefs about one, oneself or what one can or can't do, what one has or hasn't done, they're all based on the past. Like 
we're mm-hmm. we're not the past. That's the beauty of the human experience is like we the past is just there as like a, a repertory of experiences and memories, but like you are not your past. And the more you believe you are your past, the more you limit yourself. Um, so mm-hmm. if you know, you tried some one thing and didn't work out so well, if you have this belief that, oh, I'm just not good for anything and I can't do this kind of thing, then like you basically trap yourself in a kind of mental prison and spring is all about breaking out of mental prisons. So get out your prison, run out. (laughs) Coupled with that, you know, you said thought, it's not just positive thinking, it's thought with action. Mm -hmm. The intermediate of those, you think of like the three poles of the body, like Mm. the, the major faculties, right? The thinking pole, the rhythmic pole, I like the feeling pole, right? And then the action, the metabolic pole. Mm-hmm. So you have the thought, it manifests in your nervous system, you know, whatever, wherever you think it manifests from the universe. But that thought, you know, if you want to like attract and, and manifest a positive thought before you do the action, before you, you know, metabolize that thought, so to speak, you need to feel it here. You need to feel the elevated emotion. You need to feel the joy, that appreciation, the love, the gratitude, whoever it is for that thought, like it already exists before you even, Mm. because it exists here before it exists out in the physical world. You know, any invention, anything we've ever produced in this world has always been a thought first, but it doesn't manifest until it's worked its way through the entire being. And that includes, Mm. that includes that, that, that emotional feeling too. That's, that's necessary for the attraction. Yeah. And, and taking, taking that action on it now and spring is such a great time. Like it seems to just give so much motivation for action Mm -hmm. um, that one might find themselves here and there and here and there uh, to, to guide that through for what one um, really, uh, really wants and desires in life in like the deepest senses too. Like, um, I think even this idea that success can be like measured objectively, I think is, is, uh, is somewhat nonsensical because at the last kind of um, at the last counting, all that matters is, are we living true to ourselves and, and what we want? So are we doing and living the life that, that we actually uh, want for ourselves? Yeah. I think that's good. And right now, you know, at the start of spring, we naturally have more elevated emotions because nature's pulling that out of us. We feel drawn to elevated emotions. So it makes it easier to act. It really does. It makes it easier. But if we're still negative thoughts, you know, if we're, if we're still not thinking the right thoughts, the air element, if we're not using that air element to its fullest potential to have those clear, focused, positive thoughts of what we want to manifest, then those feel good emotions that nature's giving us um, and that desire for action, it's, it's not purposeful. So getting clear on the air, getting clear on the mind, the, um, the, the mental faculties and, and the thoughts is, is first and foremost, but I know it's mm-hmm. just amazing how it all aligns and it's just so like the poetry behind it, right? Like it's yeah. just so poetic. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It really is. It's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. The uh, traditional symbolism associated with this time for uh, Easter in general, if people have ever wondered why are people hiding eggs, even though it's a Christian holiday? Well, I've wondered that actually. Tell me. (laughs) uh, Well, it comes from, uh, so Easter uh, Easter Mm -hmm. is uh, directly associated with a Babylonian religion. So far longer before uh, Christianity uh, called Ishtar. And Ishtar was the goddess of uh, fertility, life, conception. 
So, and the egg is associated with, with that goddess. So viewed metaphorically, uh, spring is a time of like birth and life, vitality, uh, fertility, meaning uh, uh, psychologically and, and potentially uh, physically of like new things, like birthing new things into life. I've heard of this scheme of thinking of the seasons that really resonated very, very well with me. So starting from starting from like spring as the beginning of the year. So spring is the time where in the course of someone's life, let's say you wanted to uh, start like a business or some venture. Let's just uh, to use an example or, or a new hobby. Spring would be the time where the idea and the first initiative is, is taken. It's when the idea gets birthed and you start moving at it, usually very quickly at first. Then summer is like the sustaining. Mm-hmm. Summer is like, so you something gets uh, born. Summer, it starts to like reach its peak. That's when everything, like it starts to get uh, fleshed out and reaches almost its full form. Then, like, as you get into fall, fall is always associated with um, the, um, the grim reaper, the scythe, the reaping. It's You're actually reaping the fruits. So, like, like summer is when things become ripe. And then uh, the, the fall is when you start harvesting the fruits of your actions, whatever it is. Then, like, winter is, like, storage, reflection, thinking, looking back at your whole year. Did it work out well? What am I going to do next year? more uh, contemplative, introspective, relaxed time. Uh, and then spring comes again and again. So I've, I found that to be very true in, uh, in, in my life, like whether or not I wanted it to be, it is. So I might as well move along with that thing, right? <laughs> Align with that. Yeah. Follow it. It's so true. And that correlates so well with the menstrual cycle too. Like just how hormones and how the uterus and everything is, um, what all, what all's going on there too. Interesting. So, that's amazing yeah. That's the fun. cycles and patterns I think are present, mm-hmm. um, are present Throughout everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting why December 25th is held to be like the birth. It's held to be the birth, right? When, when mm-hmm. it should be, it should be spring. But anyway, that's just my opinion. I mean, I, I'm I'm not Christian, so I'm not really sure of like the all the dates and everything, but I feel like I remember like that is the actual birth occurred in maybe May, but maybe I'm totally wrong. I might be totally mm-hmm. wrong. That. So mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that would actually make a little bit more sense. Yeah. We were uh, briefly talking before about the holiday uh associated with the date of Christmas, December twenty-fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, Saturnalia, a Roman holiday of like big festivities and hedonism and this kind of things that you see, which is great. That's actually a great time of the year to do that, I think, because uh, you sh- actually should be storing up tons of energy. Like if you're doing that, like in the middle of like summer, it's kind of rough. <laughs> um, it is so true. I know yeah. talk about these holidays. It's almost like I feel like they were given to us to be like, let's give you something to do in the winter to make you like go out and do things or feel good. Yeah, well, that's the that's the consumerism aspect, because the market and marketing. I was thinking about this, like, why have holidays become so like based on like buying things or or this or that? And I was like thinking, like, is this like on plan? Like, or do people uh, these you know, is this meant to be how we live? But then I realized like, it's probably much simpler. It's like, it's all that marketing is tied around these like emotions and feelings. Cause that's how uh, marketing is typically devised. 
And um, holidays give like an excuse for something like interesting. So like they always uh, in the marketing world, they always tie like sales to holidays. They always tie like this and that. Now you add that up over like decades and now like it, the consumer part of the holiday becomes more important than the metaphorical, spiritual, psychological, meaningful part, which is the purpose of the holiday. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. What other, um, to, uh, to, to end off here, what are some other types of practices that you think would be good for, for spring? Like someone comes, comes into your office and they're like, doc, I just want to know energetically for spring, what you would recommend, like activities I can do foods I can eat, whatever. Yeah. So we talked a lot about, um, kind of like spring cleansing, like some, some nutritional recommendations, you know, spring cleaning around the home, um, you know, spring, uh, like mental, like emotional self-care practices that we could do. Um, I would say, you know, we talked about spring greens, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Well, anything that's going to support liver function. So a lot of your liver, call them like your liver loving food, mm-hmm. meats, cruciferous vegetables, lemons, lemons are a great thing. Mm-hmm. Lemons are Gotta great. get some citrus in my life. Yes, that's perfect. I've been missing out. Um, But I would say follow the days too. The days are getting warmer and lighter and, um, you know, uh, brighter. And we're feeling called to be outside. Listen to that. Like go outside, especially first thing Mm. in the morning, get your 10 minutes of sunshine, like directly on your face. if You can um, first thing in the morning to stimulate that circadian rhythm, but get outside, get fresh air as much as possible and pay attention. Like I love going out, especially this time of year through like August and um, every, you know, week kind of visiting some of the same places and watching the changing landscape, Mm -hmm. like watching the new blooms come up, the flowers change, which new plants are here and taking pictures and just getting familiar with the landscape and really watching it change. You know, listening to the birds, we like birds come back, like the birds started coming back, chirping around here and like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's spring. Chirping around my block. Exactly. You know, (laughs) making their little nests and everything, but you know, get outside, get fresh air. And then two, I mean, if you're a gardener or not, or if you have a small apartment with just a window seal or a, a yard, like get your hands in the dirt, plant seeds, plant seeds figuratively, like in your life and literally like get your hands dirty, plant some seeds, grow, try to grow your own food. Even if you're just like growing cilantro for your, your, you know, meals or whatever. Um, but do whatever you can to engage with the earth in that way and be with the plants. Um, I would also say, you know, one other aspect with that, with we're working with plant allies, we did talk about bitters, but one thing, you know, I could just kind of mention offhand is, is the nervous system with the air element, our nervous systems. We got Gemini, we got Aries energy. We're going to, we might feel scattered these next few months with all of this, you know, wanting to do, do, do. And now we have Mars and Gemini until April something, you know, we're wanting to like communicate, do tasks. Like we got the spark, like we want to do things, but it can cause us to feel really ungrounded. And so working with herbal allies that are going to, you know, support the nervous system. Milky oats is a wonderful Mm -hmm. um, chamomile skull cap. Blue vervain is another one I really like for like this type A personalities and they, you know, get a little digestive Mm -hmm. upset. Um, You know, uh, mullein actually is kind of a nerving. People don't really see it that way, but it's, it's, it's an, it's a nerving, a gentle one. Um, Also a quintessential air plant. So just some herbal. Oh, it just, uh, it just lagged for a second. Yeah. I, I, I love what you said about getting out there in nature that actually, um, 
that motivates me to make sure I get some, some good time outside. There's, um, there's a kind of trail by my area, the Willamette and in the next few months, there's so many blackberry bushes growing along there that I'll just like walk along and just like eat blackberries the whole way, which is berries are so good this time of year. Nothing, nothing better than like fresh picked uh, berries. If you can find it mm-hmm. uh, in an area where pesticides haven't been sprayed on it. Cause like people just like spraying those for whatever reason on I sidewalks. Know. I know <laughs> blackberry bushes are a blessing. We see them as a curse cause they're all thorny and they get all over everywhere and they think it's invasive. And I'm like, these are a blessing. Hey, it's kind of <laughs> like a, it's like a, it's like a give and take. It's like a barter. They're like, yeah, we're thorny and annoying and weedy, but check out our berries. All right. Fair enough. You can stay around. Yeah. Here. yeah you can That's stay. <laughs> deal. deal. I'll, it's a fair exchange. Yeah. Right. It's like St. John's wort, which is like considered this like incredibly invasive, like weed uh, species. And I'm like, uh, have you heard about the mental wellness issues oh, in this country? Like, let it spread through people's lawns. Like, I think that'd be good. You know, like what are these lawns? These lawns are not doing anything. Get some St. John's Ward in there. No, I know. Lawns are, <laughs> you could talk about lawns all day on another they're, episode. They are, they're, 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 not they're, they're a symbol of, uh, to me, and, and no offense if you have a nice lawn, there is like beauty and aesthetic to it. Um, but, but to me, to some extent, they're like a symbol of, a symbol of so much that is, potentially good and potentially very bad about our society and culture That's a like, good way. Of and our view towards nature of like what nature is in our lives. Exactly. That we yeah. can control nature. Yeah. That's kind of the whole theme of, of that. One of the themes of that and the theme of our conventional medical system is that we can outwit yeah. and control nature and. Uh, yeah. And, and homogenize it too. And homogenize it too. Like, just just this one species of plant is allowed to grow and it must be finely trimmed mm-hmm. um, instead of like, that's why I think uh, Portland, I don't know how Colorado is in respect to this, but one of the things that I always love about Portland is that uh, people are so eclectic and quirky here that they grow all sorts of weird vegetables in their front lawns. And I always thought like, yeah, why, why wouldn't you do that? Like well, in, at the, at the end, it actually looks better. It looks better and more pleasing aesthetic when there's different, colors and flowers and trees like that looks better so uh not, anyway you have your own food and you're autonomous and independent and you know that's dangerous people, people should not be autonomous <laughs> people are going to grow their own food what's next <laughs> they're going to be free i think growing food is, is something that i really want to uh get into and if i could find some land it's kind yeah. of the issue land is land is so expensive. Woo! I was looking around kind of like um, shopping around considering like places I can move into in the next couple of years. And land itself is like almost the full price of the house. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. So to be able to grow your own food is maybe at like a community garden or, or something like that. I know there's a lot here in, uh, in Oregon. Or you just, if you have like a little balcony, have a little balcony, grow little, little plants or your windowsill. That's actually. You can grow in your house and on a balcony. Like it's amazing how much food you could grow, you know, in small spaces. Yeah. Creative. Yeah. It it would probably be hard to sustain oneself like food wise, Mm -hmm. Uh, but like medicinal herbs, you don't need that much of it. So especially the nervines because they're they're really easy to grow like lemon balm lavender 
mm-hmm. uh, peppermint, like they're super easy to grow. They kind of just grow on their own and they have a lot of benefit. You can make teas from them. Uh, a good experience overall. And now is about the time for, for planting, right? Like as the spring or is it a little bit earlier in the winter? Well, it kind of varies probably depending on, well, definitely varies depending on where you live, but certain mm-hmm. things we can start planting now, you know, now that it's in the springtime, other things you kind of have to wait until after the last frost, which in Colorado could be as you know late as mid-May. So mm, okay. just kind of pay attention to the weather and mm. yeah. Awesome. Well, plant the things in your life and also in your garden is the theme and water them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Shannon Curtis. And this is the Herbal Hour podcast with Dr. Dan. Thank you so much. It was great being here today.